join me. Read along with me. We're going to be reading from John chapter 21, verses 1 to 14. After Jesus appeared to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in, in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. I want to pray for us again. We're doing a lot of praying, I know, uh, because it's greatly needed. So please pray along with me again. Father, we thank you once again for this opportunity to learn more about you, your ways, and your will for us. I pray for your body of believers, Lord God, who have gathered virtually in their homes, Lord God, and, and um, so that they could be with us in an appointed time for this church that you have placed us to be a part of. I pray for blessings for them. We humbly ask that you bless us tonight. And we ask that your Holy Spirit guide us and teach us, Father. Lord, I ask for blessings for my preparations. But at the same time, Lord God, as usual, I ask, Lord, that you override it as you see fit. For I am merely your vessel. And at the same time, Lord God, I just ask that you anoint my lips and give me the wisdom. Do not let me say anything that's not true. And I pray, Father, that you will speak through me to your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I entitled our message tonight, Let Me See Your ID. Let me see your ID. I know there's certain movies that use this line. Um, but the abbreviation ID that I am 
that I am using is what we use when we have to identify ourselves. So it's ID here stands for identification. It is a document that tells the public of what your name is and who you are. If it's your ID for the company that you're working for, it also has the company you belong to and uh, again, your name. But ID, that's an ID card. There are certain identification things, IDs too, that doesn't uh, just rely on a card. There's uh, uniforms, right? There's the apparel for whatever school you belong to, or whatever basketball team you're playing for, or whatever sports you're playing in. Um, and and they, they too serve as, a, as an identification. They, your last name is there. I remember in the Philippines, uh, when I was in kindergarten, uh, I was six years old, right? Six years old. Wow. I went to this call, school called UCCP. So my mom, to my mom's big surprise, uh, it was a, it was a Christian church, it was a Christian school, um, but anyway, she sent me there. I skipped nursery, um, but in, I was so happy that I got the uniform. I got a shirt that says UCCP and the pants. It came with it, and then there's a jacket. And I love that jacket. We have to wear this uniform, and in the jacket, it has the emblem or the logo of the school, front and front and back. And then he has my name in my left pocket. I thought it was pretty clever. It's it's my it's my ugly name, Jojit. So it says his you know it's it's uh, it was stitched in my right pocket. You could see it. It was pretty obvious. So that was, in a way, my ID at that time. Um, so the I'm sharing this because my mom took me. So she picked me up from school and we went to the public market. And in the, the, the public market in the Philippines, it's not like your Walmarts here. If you've been in a third world country, you know what the Palenque is, the public market, right? it's a wet market. So I don't remember why, but I remember getting lost. I know my mom told me to stay where, where I was at and she was just going to go get something. And my excuse here is because I'm six years old, right? But at the same time, as I got older, I wasn't really that smart. So maybe that to play the part. So I got lost. Before I knew it, I was I I was at a place because I started looking at the, the things in the market and I couldn't remember where where my mom was, much more her telling me to stay where I was at and she was gonna come back for me. So I decided to walk myself to the jeepney the, the station where I um, because in the Philippines it's like the bus stops here in the Philippines there's there's a designated area for wherever you live and those are the jeepneys the public transportation uh, for your village so I went there I crossed the busy road you know it was again if you've seen the Philippines for a six-year-old to cross the street it's like <laughs> It's like Frogger, the game Frogger. But um, I made it. I made it. I guess God wanted me <laughs> to make it until the age of 43. Um, so I got to the station. But then when I got there, I started crying. Because then I know that I didn't have any money to ride the jeepney. And then, I, I, I mean, at six years old, you, the only thing you can process is you're lost. And that's it. That's the end of the world. So I just sat there in a the corner 
you know, with my, my, you know, my legs tucked in and my head down, my arms crying, just crying. And when there's people around, I cried louder, hoping that they will just help me out. It felt like forever. I don't know how long it was, but it felt like forever. I don't know if you've been lost when you were little, but it's, 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 a, it's a scary thing. I was really scared. But praise God for my ID, my identification, which was my jacket, my uniform. Because my cousin, my older cousin, who was in high school at that time, she saw the name Jojit in the, my left pocket. And then she called me. And then I looked up and I ran to her and she took me home. And then I got beat up and I got home from getting lost. <laughs> but I got home. The point of the story is my ID, my jacket that had my name, helped me. Uh, to be identified by my cousin to help me out and bring me home. So, the story is, the title is, Let Me See Your ID. There are many things. As we are still in our Resurrection series, the Aftermath series, we've been observing the, the appearances or the things that have occurred when Jesus resurrected from the dead. And we're still doing that tonight. And we read the passage of of and when Jesus reinstated Peter, as it's it's there on your top of your Bible, but I thought I was going to get to that tonight. But there's, I thought I was just going to do observations, but my observations became our message this evening. So let's begin. Our points this evening will be the first is we go back to our old ways, and then second is fellowship is vital, and then third point tonight is obedience to Him equals rewards so our first point we go back we go back to our old life we go back to our old ways and and, and look here this is when when peter said i'm going out to fish he said i'm going out to fish um he got bored probably he probably got bored waiting in that same room where jesus appeared twice already and peter was probably just you know, this is taking forever. It's taking a long time. And Jesus already appeared twice and still has not spoken to me. So you know what? I'm bored. I don't have peace. Let's, I want to go fish, he said. Simon Peter told them. It must have been a traumatizing experience to see your master, your Jesus, suffer the crucifixion. And then see him die. And then it must have been more shocking, I would imagine, to see Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. By the way, the observation, the only observation that I have this evening is the fact that Jesus hasn't wasn't recognized the, the two times, the two times that he appeared to his disciples, they couldn't recognize him. So my I'm guessing that his resurrected body was different from how he appeared before the resurrected uh, the resurrection that that's that's my observation um anyway go back going back to this on the book of john he records this event by the sea at tiberias as the third appearance of jesus to his disciples so before that the third one before that third one there was nothing again the second one there was nothing again and he's still not walking with them 
as he used to. There was no, there was no mission trips. There was no feeding the hungry, feeding the poor, healing the sick. There was no, they didn't go back to, to what they were used to. So I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that the, the disciples were, were thinking, what, what, what now? What are, we, what are we supposed to do now? I mean, he's, he's resurrected. We're here waiting for him to appear again. But then there's nothing. In, in both instances, both appearances, Peter, the most vocal one in the group, still wasn't addressed by Jesus. And, and I, I'm, I'm, I have some sanctified guesses here, what could have been running in Peter's mind. And one is, now this is Peter speaking and thinking, he's probably thinking, he was right. Jesus was right. I denied him. So he's probably thinking, will, will he forgive me? Will he forgive me for that? He still has not spoken to me. Will he ever speak to me again? Is he angry at me? Is he disappointed at me? But I guess if he is, I deserve it. But boy, will he forgive me? Does he still love me? As those thoughts must have been floating in his mind, Peter's best response, instead of waiting for Jesus in that same room for him to appear again, he went back to his old life. He went back to his old ways, which is fishing. I don't know if you are a fisherman, or you like fishing, or you love fishing, but I've heard that fishing helps uh, decompress the stress, the stressful life. For people that love fishing, they say that it's relaxing, that it's rewarding, that they look forward to it. So I'm assuming that Peter was actually thinking that. Man, you know, I need some stress reliever. I'm going to go back fishing. Before this was written, before this was written about Peter, we saw in the scriptures that Peter wept bitterly after he denied Jesus three times. Now, weeping is defined as to express grief, sorrow, or any overpowering emotion by shedding tears. Okay, that's, that's the definition of weeping. And then, and then I also put in Keen, there's 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 a definition of sorrow here. So because because weeping is an expression of of grief and sorrow, and then sorrow means keen mental suffering, or distress over affliction or loss, painful regret. So Peter, when he denied Jesus, and then Jesus before Jesus resurrected, before he saw the resurrected Jesus, he's been living with this painful regret. The word bitterly now means, is defined as hard to bear, is grievous, distressful. So we add those words together because he wept bitterly. Peter must be truly wondering now, right? Where do I stand with Jesus? So not wanting to wait for any more answers. Not wanting to wait in that room, not doing anything, just looking at each other, all his fellow disciples, looking at the ceiling, looking at the walls, just like being quarantined, right? We can somehow share that, that feeling. No, we have TVs. And some of you don't stay at home. Some of you don't follow the rules, right? So you can't really relate. You still go out. You still enjoy. 
Praise God, God's protecting you. But here, Peter and his disciples are just waiting in that room. But Peter made the decision that he's going to go fishing. Sometimes, like Peter, when we know we screwed up, when we know, oops, I did it again, despite the promises that I made to God, despite the, the oath that I made, I screwed up again. We tend to break down and then we go into this, what we call a snowball effect. Gianna and I just uh, were watching the Monsters, Inc. again yes, last night. The snowball effect. When you go down a, a, a mountain full of snow and it just keeps building up. And instead of praying, instead of reading His Word, instead of immersing yourself in the Word of God, and praying, getting down on your knees and crying out to Him, we go back to our old way of life, our old ways to relieve ourselves of the pressure, of our ways of, of how to, to relieve stress and to forget and how to deal with our problems. We either go back to whatever, gambling, to drinking, or whatever it is that used to be your fix. So that you will forget and decompress from life. Because we feel like we screwed up and we disappointed God. And there's no way. There's no way that He can love us. And we go into these questions. Because that's what sin does, right? Since the sin, when we, when we sin, it steals our joy. And when we lose our joy, we also lose the feeling of, the, of that worthiness. Of God's love because the enemy that's what the enemy loves is is once we start thinking when we fall into the sin and then we're found out you know we get right we, we get into this depression mode we get into this oh I'm not worthy I'm useless I will never change we start believing that lie and that's what the we get we get paralyzed we get paralyzed spiritually we become useless because we we sinned we disappointed God. But, you know, when, when, when you go back to that, and you, when you, when, I know we're not going to tackle it tonight, but, but the understanding of the gospel is actually the opposite of that reaction. If you have disappointed God, if you've, you have fallen, if you've sinned again, if you truly understand what the gospel is, you should come running to Him. Again, just like Peter, when he jumped off the boat, when, 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 when Thomas said, it is the Lord, it is the Lord, he jumped off the, the boat, swam to Jesus in a hurry. Unlike the, the last account, when, when this first happened, there was, there was another instance, if you, if you read your, if, if you're pretty keen with your Bible, if you remember the story where, where Jesus, when the first time Jesus appeared to the disciples and called them, when Peter uh, this when when Jesus said cast your net on the other side and they they had a great uh, catch too. Jesus, Peter said to Jesus, "Away from me, stay away from me, Lord. I'm not worthy. I'm a sinner." But now, the second time around, Peter went swimming to Jesus. He went running. So if you're understanding, if you've understood the gospel, if you know who the real Jesus is, you know. That once you have accepted Him, He has covered your sin from, the, from yesterday, your sin today, and your sin tomorrow. And that makes you, makes you go run to Him, come running to Him instead of going away from Him.
Now, our next point, our next point is, from what we've read, is the one thing that I've saw there is that fellowship is vital. Notice the other disciples. Notice the other disciples joining Peter. It was Peter's idea to go fishing, and then they just said, we will go with you. We will go with you. Now, on a personal note, I really miss the fellowship that we have in this church. I, I miss having fellowship with all of you. I know some of you do too, because you've expressed it through text or a phone call, or we, we met in person because of a delivery or whatnot, but you've expressed that you miss the fellowship too, our company, the company of each other, just like these guys here. And I'm sure that because of this quarantine time, the stay-in-place order, majority of the world misses their time to be together with other people. Because there is something about just being around your family, right? Being around your family, your friends. Um, you know, it, it helps us get by, uh, to get by our worries, to get by our problems. Um, there's something. There's, there's some reward. There's some pleasure. Other than the pleasure, there's just that satisfaction to be around your, your, your people. And I get it. For some, this is a shock for them. That they discovered that they actually need people. That they actually want the company of others. And I get it. Some people don't mind the quarantine time because this is how they've been living their lives. They could care less if they're with people or not. They're, they're good loners. They're, they're experts. They're professional loners. But majority are not. We are created to have the company of others. To have fellowship with other believers. The disciples that joined Peter must, you know, I'm thinking they, they could have shared the same thoughts like Peter about just, you know, maybe taking their mind away from just waiting. Because it, it doesn't say how long they waited for Jesus from the last appearance to, to, to the whole time that they, they were just there sitting. But I'm assuming they were, some of them were probably sharing in the frustration about the waiting. They could have shared with the thoughts of what if he, you know, what if we don't ever go back to what we're used to be doing? What if we don't be, we won't be doing any more mission trips, no more evangelism services, no more healing crusades, no more Bible studies with Jesus. So, okay, yes, let's, let's go back to our old life. Let's be fishermen again. They could have been thinking that, right? He needs me. Some of them could have been thinking this. He needs me. Peter needs me to be with him because I know he's hurting. Because I'm pretty sure everybody knew, right? Everybody heard that you will deny me. Do you remember the oath? The oath that Peter made? Like, over my dead body, Lord. And then Jesus said, you will, you will deny me three times before the rooster crows. So they were probably thinking, he needs me to be with him because he's hurting. He needs me to be with him because I know if I won't, if I'm not there, if that if I'm there, he won't feel alone and maybe he won't hurt so much. Or just simply he needs me to be with him as much as I need him to be with me in this time. I mean, you saw your master die, and then you guys were afraid for your lives, and then and then now you're waiting, and then now he's not there again. What if he doesn't appear again? What are we gonna do? Right? They went back to fishing. They went back to fishing. But I see that the fellowship of the disciples and our fellowship, and the Bible tells us 
that fellowship is vital. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 to 12. It reads, Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Electric blanket, says the guy. Now, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. You know, I've been, I've been uh, uh, blessed to still uh, preach to you guys virtually, but the last two Sundays have been horrible because I've been here by myself, and it's, and I can apply this this thing here now that I have John John here again, and, and John Gostin, and then Edgar came to the rescue last week. You know, I, and then Loretta and Larry, you know, they they they, they were offering help. It does, it does uh, feel better when you know you have help, and somehow the the workload seems to be much lighter when you know you can share it with other people. And then the things that seem to be easy when people are around, when you're by yourself, it seems to be so much heavier and harder. So again, going back to the point, fellowship is vital, and I know that's been taken away from us. I know that's been taken away from us as a church, not just our church, but the whole church, the big C. But it's just, I, praise, I praise God for doing this, for letting this happen, because most of us have probably taken that for granted. And I hope if you've taken it for granted before, that you're seeing the value of it now. And just like the disciples, the other disciples, wanting to accompany Peter, even though they didn't feel like fishing, just because they know that Peter needed company, they went. Because that's what fellowship is, right? That's what fellowship is. You will end up doing something that you probably don't like. But just because the, uh, not because you don't like it, you don't have to do it with them. Are they supposed to be doing it only when you want it? Are they supposed to only play the sports you want to play? Are they supposed to eat the food that you want to eat? Doesn't that work on both sides? You know, I, I have I have to commend Mikey. You know, I miss that guy too. Mikey, um, Mikey's sport is not basketball. Well, ever since he started going to this church, and ever since we started getting closer, uh, I kind of forced him to play basketball. And um, and then of course there's also trash talking that goes back and forth could make it and keep it fun. <laughs> and I know he means this when he says it. He goes, how about we play baseball? <laughs> but that's because he wants to be in fellowship with his brothers. He forces himself to play basketball, even though he doesn't really like it, even though he thinks, you know, it's, it, he, he plays it because he wants to be with us. So that should be for everyone. If you want to be in true, a true relationship is doing what each other likes to do is right it's not a one-way street a real working relationship is doing what you both want to do or or sometimes you do what he wants or she wants it's a give-and-take situation and, and and that's what fellowship is because fellowship is vital just like the disciples it's vital and one more verse for this first Corinthians chapter 12 verse 24 to 26 reads 
I'm only going to be reading, wait, what did I do? 24 to 26, and then another verse of 27. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And in verse 27 reads, Now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. And in verse 28, And God has placed in the church. Now I look forward to the day, I look forward to that Sunday, that we can all, again, praise and worship God together in this place. Physically, not just virtually anymore, but physically. I look forward to that day. I look forward to seeing the entire praise and worship team. And I actually told Anna this. I go, please pray with me that uh, God will allow it to happen. That when the time that we open our doors again to, to our church members, that the entire praise and worship team, all the singers will be here. All the instrumentalists will be here. And we will be singing. We will be making a, a joyful noise. That we will be raising our voice and singing praise and worship songs to God and crying our hearts, hearts out to Him. I look forward to that day. I look forward to the day where the shy, my shy brothers and sisters, you know, that you, when you come here in public worship again, that you will finally get out of your shell and that you will raise your hand and sing along with us. Because I know, I know we're Baptist, right? Some of us were just uptight, quietly singing. And there's nothing wrong. If you want to praise God that way, praise God that way. But I look forward for the day that we can all be together and singing our hearts out and crying to Him that He's the way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. I'm going to try not to sing it because I know I'm going <laughs> to... I look forward to that day, guys. And I know that some of you, maybe most of you, is also looking forward to that day. So join me in praying that it won't be too long. It won't be long, long. Uh, it's going to come soon. They said, the disciples said, that they will go. They said they will go with Peter. I know some of you are great hosts. I know some of you are great cooks. I know some aren't so great cooks, but loves to host. I know some of you don't like to host. I know some of you that are great cooks don't like to cook. <laughs> but I know that most of us are looking forward to that fellowship dinner again and then spending time together. But a matter of fact, it doesn't even matter what we have, right? Just the fact that we can see each other again and worship God together again. It just, just thinking about it gives me a great feeling of excitement and anticipation and longing and miss. And it hurts at the same time. You know, when you, when you have... When, this is how vital fellowship is. For me, me and the family now, me, Anna, the kids, you know, we're trying to get the pool ready at the house. And the children have told me, same with Anna, we're cooking a meal there, and we're just talking about how great it would be. Now, once this quarantine time is over, 
that we will have people over from church and that we will have a great picnic there and that we will enjoy a great time together. And sometimes when we're eating a great meal, because Anna's been cooking a lot lately, she's been doing some new, um, adding to her menu, and she just keeps saying, you know, this would, this would be great uh, once this quarantine is over, once, uh, for our Bible study, for, for when we have people around. I'd love to cook this for them, right? Because you look forward to that, because we're designed that way. Because any other thing away from it seems to be wrong. Don't you feel like it's wrong that you're not at church right now? No? <laughs> the other guy. <laughs> obedience to him. Third point. Obedience to him, obedience to God, yields rewards or equals rewards. In John 21, 3 to 5 and 6, I want us to focus there. It says, So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Have you had any fish? And then he told them, He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. And look at this. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in, in because of the large number of fish. Now, disciples are skilled fishermen. They're lifelong fishermen. They know what they're doing, right? They don't go out there and just uh, like, oh, okay, what are we doing? I hope we get lucky this time. No, they know what they were doing. So to, for a stranger to tell them that cast your net on the other side must have been weird. You know, I, I have no proof on, what, on my thing here, on my theory here, but I just find it strange that it says, when they did, when they did, that line there, I was wondering, was there a pause? Did they delay? Did they actually look at each other like, oh, dude, what is this guy? Who is this guy? What is he talking about? We've been here all night. Now, casting net to the other side, they were probably thinking this because they're experienced fishermen, right? Uh, a, a, so, uh, a guy who knows how to fish told me that the fish likes to stay where it's not hot, right? So now, now morning is coming. So the right side of the boat, because of them having the, I'm guessing where they have the net is where there was no sun, where normally the fish would be. Because uh, that's how, that, the, the, just like us, we don't like staying in the shade too long. We want to be where it's cool. Same with the fish. But then they were told to cast it on the right side where the sun was probably was. And then when they did, they obeyed. You know, when God, there's a couple of things that I observed here. When God speaks or commands us to do something, most of the time, I want to I say, I want to go as, as much as most of the time, it does not make sense. It does not make sense. Especially, especially if you've been doing a certain thing or approaching a certain thing, for a long time, and that you've your mindset is there's no way, there's no way the fish would be on the right side. But when G, when God tells us something, sometimes it doesn't make sense. An expert fisherman will say, "Why we were on that side earlier, and the sun is now on the right side, so the fish are now on the left, where it's cooler." It's similar to this businessman that I heard of in the Philippines who owned motels. 
And his motels were usually used by people who were having affairs. And then they, they used the motel to carry out their sin. After this person became a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit convicted him, right? Because once you meet the real Jesus, you will never be the same, right? Everything about you changes. He was convicted by the Holy Spirit. And then he changed the policy in his motels. Even though it doesn't make sense for him with his revenue, he ordered that all his motels, before accepting anyone, is that the people need to show a copy of their marriage light certificates. It probably affected, it said, um, it affected his bottom line. But he didn't, didn't care. He wanted to obey God. Because other than, when, you, when God speaks to us, it does not make sense. And other than that, when we obey God, it also hurts. Obeying God also hurts. Why? Because our sinful nature, our old self, does not like God's ways. But our new selves, our new creation, thrives in that. Once you are plugged in, in God, with God, that is what you want to do. But going back... Um, no, before, I, I guess I did put the slide in, I, I took out on time, but I'll mention it anyway. When it doesn't make sense, when God commands people, or uh, it usually does not make sense. If you guys have been reading your uh, Every Day with Jesus, or even your um, our new devotion, the Life Principles uh, Bible, you've read about Gideon again. We went through Judges. Remember Gideon was asked, or if you know about the story of Gideon, he was asked to let go most of his army, down to 300 to fight against 150,000 Midianites, which brought him one Israelite versus 450 Midianites. Gideon was ordered, was commanded by God to do that. And he did. And they won. It doesn't make sense, but he obeyed and he was rewarded. God commanded Joshua to tell the army, to march around the walls of Jericho for seven days. <laughs> Marching around. And then on the seventh day to blow their trumpets. To blow their trumpets. Does that make sense? Does that make sense at all? No, it doesn't. How are you supposed to take over a city by marching around the building and then throw it and blowing on your trumpet? It didn't make sense, but they obeyed and they were rewarded. To the disciples, casting their net to the right side must have been oh, like, oh gosh, this does not make sense. But at the same time, again, on the Luke, Luke 6, Peter probably remembered, wait a minute, wait a minute, this happened before. This happened before. But then the funny thing is, they only got to recognize God, they only got to recognize Jesus when they caught the fish. When, they, when the net was full, that was the only time when they said, Wait, that is the Lord. Obedience to God and His command will not make sense, but it pays that we concede and heed to Him. It does not make sense if you are lonely. It does the command of saying, uh, the Jesus' command that you cannot have sex until you are married. It does not make sense right now, especially in this time and age. It does not make, make sense that you need to marry someone so that you can have sex with them. Because, you know, this culture, this society is telling you not that doesn't make sense to get married anymore. But because the Word of God says so. 
we are compelled as believers, as followers of Christ, we are compelled to obey. And God will reward you if you don't live in sin. It doesn't make sense that God will tell you to do certain things, right? That is that is the that is counterculture. That is countercultural. Because everybody else is 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 saying that that there's there's three genders. Well, the Bible says Adam and Eve. Right? But it, it, it pays. It pays that we listen to God. It pays that we obey God. The second point that we can see from the disciples obeying Jesus, Jesus' command of casting the net to the right side of the boat, is when John wrote it in John 21, 11, So Simon Peter climbed back in the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish. Full of large fish. 153 so detailed, right? But even with so many, the net was not torn. Unlike in Luke uh, chapter 6, when they did that, the net tore. The net was torn. Now it wasn't. Now it wasn't. Because when you obey God, it's perfect. It will not break. If it's God's command, it will not break. If you are pleasing God, it will not break. It will be challenging. It will be heavy. Because they could haul the net. It was heavy. It was too much. But the net wasn't torn. The, the work was saved. The catch was saved. It didn't go to waste. When you obey God, it's not going to go to waste. Obeying God yields rewards. I want to be very careful here. As much as I am thrilled about this truth. So I have to explain the first part in order to bring the balance to this truth. First, God's answer to our prayers isn't always a yes to what we want. But it's to what He wants and wills for us because He knows better. Somebody there says, say amen. I'm going to check the chat room. Okay, amen. John just said amen. Most of the time, for a believer who only wants material blessings from God, God will deny those prayers until God becomes His or her most important in life. Second, God is not an ATM machine. I know we've spoken about this multiple times. He is not an um, ATM machine, nor is He a magic spell or a genie in a bottle that grants us all our wishes. He is not our servant. We are His servants. Until this truth becomes real, to the follower, to the believer of Jesus, your prayer life, their prayer life, will only be a grocery list or a wish list of what they want from this supernatural being. And all they want and see Him is a source of blessings. Nothing more. Not Lord, but my all-powerful servant. Obedience to His commands will always bring rewards and blessings to the believer. This instance, the disciples, after seeing and getting the catch, then and only then did they recognize that it was Jesus. It tells me that God uses His blessings and rewards to make us know who He is. 
Sometimes he really does answer your prayer the way you want it to be answered. Sometimes he doesn't. But regardless, when you obey him, he will reward you. So you will know that it was him who rewarded you, that he heard your pleas, that he heard your prayers, that he rewarded your obedience. Sometimes he uses blessings to affirm our obedience and to strengthen our faith in him in order for us to praise him and to worship him. He knows how far he can stretch us because he created us. He knows our inner thoughts. He knows just how far he can bring us to our breaking point. And he knows when to relieve us of the strain. And he knows how to reward our obedience. In John 21, 14, and then Jesus said, come, have breakfast. None of the disciples asked him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. The ultimate blessing, folks, to his commands, the ultimate blessings to God is him, is himself, is Jesus himself. Having that fellowship with Jesus for those who have believed and received him as Lord is the reward itself. Together we have been rescued from the consequences of our sins, which is hell, the second death. And it brings us to heaven, eternal life with Christ. That is the ultimate blessing of our obedience to His ultimate command, which is to believe in His begotten Son, whom He sent to the world. We all know John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. What do we know 17 to 18? Here, let me help you with the 17 and 18. If you have your Bibles, go to it. For God, verse 17, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. And in verse 18, Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. So there, there's the one thing that we can truly obey, that we should truly obey, and then truly get the ultimate reward for that obedience, is eternal life. Eternal life. To believe, the ultimate command that God has given to the world is to believe in His, in His begotten Son, whom He sent to this world as the perfect sacrifice for our sins that we have committed against Him. When we obey this command, we experience the ultimate reward, the ultimate blessing, eternal life with Him. The same with the disciples and Jesus here. We don't need much, right? We don't need much from those people who we truly love or we, we truly miss, right? We truly long for. When we call them and when we invite them, now we don't even ask them to bring anything or they don't even ask us to bring anything. They just tell us, I just want you to come. And we tell them, I just want you. Just bring yourself, right? There's, you don't need much for people that you truly want to be, that you truly love. Is that the same for Jesus for you? 
Or do you have a condition? Before I become become a Christian, Lord, before I become be, before I dedicate my entire life to you, Lord, will you please do X first? Will you please give me X first? Will you please give me a husband first? Will you please give me a wife first? Will you please give me a child first? Will you please uh, change my son first? Will you please change my wife or my you know, so on and so forth? Whatever it is that is that is you're putting as a negotiating piece before you commit your life to him. If you are truly in love with someone and you're truly wanting to be with them, there is nothing that they need to bring. They just need to bring themselves. And you don't need to do anything. You don't need to be in somewhere really special. Right? Have you been in a nice place? But are but been with someone who's been who's really rude and just ruined your vacation and you're like I can't believe I spent ten thousand dollars to be treated this way to feel this way this must this should have been the happiest place in the world but because of your attitude this has been the worst time of my life and I can't see the magic in this place here we see Jesus serving. Right? Being served. In this passage, Jesus was the one being served as a sacrifice for us. And in the passage of the barbecue that Jesus gave, the pot bless, we saw the pot bless. The pot bless by the Sea of Tiberias, by the shore. Jesus already had fish being barbecued. He had bread for them, and he served them. We see that the resurrected Jesus invites his disciples to have a pot blessed with him, to eat breakfast with him. And he already made fire. He had bread. He served them. They gave, and then he said, give, give some of your catch. Give some of your catch. And then he served it to them. And he ate with them. You know, what a loving picture that is. What a loving picture that is for me. I long for all of us to be all together again. I said that earlier, I'll say it again. To be all together physically in one place. The food is secondary, but it won't hurt. <laughs> that is how we have that fellowship with Jesus. It's through each other. We have fellowship with Jesus when we have fellowship with other believers. Somebody say amen again. This is how we enjoy Jesus now, is through other believers. Now, you can't have fun with other believers if you don't know Jesus. And you don't know, if you can't have fun with them, you don't know Jesus. If you don't know Jesus, you can't know the believers. You can't have fun with them. You know, when during the time when I was still lost, I was at the friend's house, and I, I stayed there late. And I woke up for breakfast. I woke up in the morning. Didn't have breakfast, actually. I went to the store. This is in the Philippines. I went to the store and bought something to drink. And right across that store in the Philippines, there are the mini stores, the neighborhood stores. Right across it is a house. And there was a family having breakfast together because they were doing, they had their dining table in front of their, uh, their big window. And I was watching them. I was observing the dad passing the rice, the mom passing the hot dog, children just waiting and being served. And I was so jealous. I was so jealous of that picture. And I'm seeing that picture with this, with this 
barbecue that Jesus had with them, this breakfast, the Jesus serving his disciples. Our ultimate reward and blessing from God when we obey him is him. Jesus reminded his disciples in Luke 10 verse 20, after they were celebrating the fact that the, the spirits were submitting to them, Jesus told them, However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Folks, we will continue this study next week, but folks, the ultimate reward is Jesus. Let's close in prayer. Father, blessed be your name. We thank you for speaking to us again tonight. We ask that we heed to every revelation that you have given to us this evening. We ask for your help that we are able to do this. Because apart from you, Lord God, we can do nothing. And that if you don't strengthen us, Lord God, we can do nothing. We humble ourselves to you by admitting our weakness, our weaknesses. For we know that you give grace to those who humble themselves to you. We ask for healing. Healing for broken spirits. Healing for sick bodies. Healing for broken relationships. We ask for rescue for those who are in trouble from their sins, from their actions, from their misjudgments. Rescue them, Lord God. We ask for restoration, for fellowship, comfort and hope, Lord God. We ask for comfort and hope for those who are alone and are lacking. Empower us, Lord. Enable us to obey you as we strive to live our lives pleasing to you. We ask that you save those who are still lost. We pray that you open the eyes of their hearts, dear God, and let them accept the truth that their religion or anything about them and everything about them cannot rescue them from the fires of hell, cannot make them acceptable to you, but only by accepting the perfect sacrifice of your son, Jesus as soon as they accept him as Lord. Please remind us of your words as we go through our week and as we go through our lives. In your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior's name we pray. And all the Lord's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you very much.